Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Actually, today's offering is going to be more of a talk than a, than a sermon. Uh, Memorial Day was officially proclaimed on the 5th of May, 1868, by General John Logan, National Commander of the Army of the Republic, the Grand Army of the Republic, in his General Order Number 11, and was first observed on 30th of May, 1868, when flowers were placed on the graves of Union and Confederate soldiers at Arlington National Cemetery. So next year will be the 150th anniversary of the establishment of Memorial Day. It was originally only celebrated in the northern states, and uh, because Memorial Day honored the dead of the Civil War, and the former Confederate states refused to accept the day until after the First World War, when the observance was extended to all of those who died in all of the nation's conflicts. Uh, thus, what had been a symbol of division became, as it should be, uh, one of national reconciliation and unity. Those who served and those who suffered, and this weekend, primarily those who died. And yes, we should be in the memory business, because their sacrifice... Uh, protected all that we value and enjoy. And we should remember by following their examples in war and peace and committing ourselves to building on their legacy as the only honest and authentic way of honoring them. Uh, by the conduct of our national business, let us show to succeeding generations that they didn't die in vain. In other words, just more about that than it is about hot dogs and hamburgers. In the very first instance, Americans began to protest their second-class treatment and demand their constitutional rights in a British empire that deemed them only fit to produce raw materials and pay taxes without a vote. In Whitehall, Lord North's administration, serving the mercantile system of the age, treated the life, liberty, and labor of the Americans with arrogance and dismissiveness. And you know the rest of the story. Failing to find their rights under one constitution, they set out to form a new nation. And to this end, many gave their lives. And some of them are buried right next door. Uh, they established a republic with a new flag and, in short order, a new constitution. And the constitution gave life and identity to the republic, without which the flag would be just a piece of colored cloth. And then they had to defend and advance that republic and its constitution in the War of 1812 and from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. And some conflict was internal as the nation was broken uh, by a secession and civil war uh, in a war that claimed many more lives than any other the nation has known. Uh, the republic was preserved and the constitution broadened to recognize the value of the life, liberty, and labor of yet more Americans. As it was, it was, as it remains, an imperfect document, honored imperfectly in the nation's life, but once again it was paid for in blood. And so, to the wars of the 20th century, uh, an American intervention ending the First World War, although the world was not made safe for democracy, uh, the values enshrined and embodied in the Constitution began to spread among the nations, and at home the Constitution grew as women gained the vote. The veterans of that war have all faded, from, uh, um, but we must not let their memories fade as we remember how in their term uh, they served, suffered, and died. I would find this hard to do since my small boarding school in Wales had about 450 students serve in the Great War 
and 64 of them were killed, 15%, including six sets of brothers. One family saw one boy die in 1914, another in 1918, and a family called Best, the Best family, lost three sons in seven weeks at the height of the carnage. I've also told you before, I think, finding a, remembering going as a 12-year-old to a memorial at a cenotaph outside uh, of the village near where my cousin presently lives. And there was about, oh, 30, 40 elderly gentlemen, so it seemed to me as a 12-year-old, with their little miniature medals and uh, a band from the local detachment. And they're all dead now, of course. This is the First World War veterans. And I remember trying to find that um, memorial. I was back on a visit there, and finally I spied it completely surrounded by shrubbery and bushes and overgrowth. And I hatched my way into there, and um, it was a um, memorial to a local kind of national guard, Gloucestershire Yeomanry. And uh, on the memorial it said, we will never forget. (laughs) Um, I related this story to um, uh, an acquaintance of mine, um, Major General, the Reverend um, Morgan Flewellen, who went, went to the, wanted to go into the ministry, had a military career, and then went into the ministry after he retired as a, as a Major General. He said, I'm on the War Memorial Commission for Wales. And so the local Territorial Army, the National Guard, came and cleaned it up, and the local cadet force had promised to maintain it. On my visits back, they're not doing a bad job. The only good thing I've ever done, I... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, Armistice Day, as it was then called, is a serious business over there, and as Remembrance Day, it still is, and I plan to be there next year for November the 11th, the 100th anniversary. Then, of course, the threats of fascism and communism arose, and the fight for freedom continued. Some of you here today served in the Second World War. I had close family who did so. Um, every adult member of my family was in uniform, and all the men were in action. None were killed, but one uncle was dropped into Arnhem, uh, wounded and captured. This struggle fought back the tides of modern-day barbarism to uphold the rule of constitutional law as the chief bulwark beyond the strongest weapons of the freedom that is our heritage. And it was in the armed forces in this nation that desegregation came after that war, leading the way through the civil rights struggle for the Constitution to grow once again with the civil rights amendments. Some of you here maybe served and suffered in Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, and, or know people who did, and in the smaller actions that have taken place since. Friends and comrades perhaps died, and through it all, the Republic and its Constitution have been kept safe from enemies abroad, and the light of freedom, maybe falteringly at times, has spread. We need to remember and to live our lives accordingly to pay proper honor and respect. In this new century, uh, men and women, many of them young, some of them overwhelmed, as young people have been overwhelmed in all the battles of all the wars, are serving, are suffering, and are dying on behalf of our republic and the constitution, which is that republic's heart and soul. We need to honor what they do by what we do as we conduct the affairs of the republic and uphold its constitution and help that constitution continue to grow as our understanding of freedom increases from generation to generation. This is not a guaranteed process, and it requires commitment and rededication in every generation, and some will continue to make the supreme sacrifice for the freedom of others. 
In conclusion, we see that this is a nation in which the life, liberty, and labor of all citizens is to be honored and valued. Uh, Lord North, far away in Whitehall, treating ordinary Americans with arrogance, contempt, and dismissiveness, learned his lesson in 1776, although it took a few years to sink in. Uh, we've come a long way since then, and this weekend we remember those who died to protect us along the way. So in 2017, let us recommit ourselves to the Republic and its Constitution. Um, I'm presently reading uh, David McCulloch's John Andrews, I, uh, John Adams. I, I, I got to this late. I know most of you probably read it years ago, which is rich in reflection of what government should and could be, and also in its consideration of the dangers inherent in the body politic when things go wrong. If we don't make that commitment, the flag under which generations have fought is but a piece of colored cloth. If we do, that flag will remain on earth, a great symbol of freedom and hope uh, for this age. Beyond this age, of course, and over the long sweep of history stands another symbol, the cross of Christ, upon which blood was spilled and a life given uh, for all of humanity. Let us pray. O judge of the nations, remember before you with grateful hearts the men and women of our country who in the day of decision ventured much for the liberties we now enjoy. Grant that we may not rest until all people in this land share the benefits of true freedom and gladly accept its disciplines. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.